Welcome, everybody. Time for another episode of Asher Sales Sense. Brought to you by Asher Strategies, the only global sales training company that integrates leading sales methodologies and the latest neuroscience studies into a simple and repeatable 10-step process. Thank you, Paul. Paul is our announcer for Asher Sales Sense, and I'm Dave Potts in the Asher Strategies studio in Washington, D.C. Our host today is John Asher, CEO and founder of Asher Strategies. John's guest is Daryl Prale, Chief Revenue Officer at VanillaSoft the industry's most established sales engagement platform. And the title of the show, Is the Phone Still Relevant in Today's Sales Process? Over to you, John. Well, Daryl, welcome. Great to have you on the show. John, I'm pleased to be here. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. You are welcome. You know, when salespeople are doing prospecting, there's lots of ways to reach out. I know you know this. In-mail through LinkedIn, other social media channels, picking up the damn phone and calling them. <laughs> sending them an email. Many people will say, well, cold calls are dead, but I don't think they're dead. And I know you don't. So what's your overall view? Are buyers still answering the phone? <laughs> I love when people say cold calls are dead. I look at the, uh, the individual saying that and they're usually, you know, 30 years old or younger. No, cold calls are absolutely not dead. In fact, let me make a really simple point to think about it. Okay. Everything we do when we reach out on a sales engagement, a sales cadence, a sales prospecting exercise is ultimately to do what? To get them on the phone so we can actually, you know, have a discovery session, understand their pains and their issues, qualify them. Do you have budget? Do you have authority? Do you have need? Understand the whole process. That's the end game. So when people sit here and say the phone is dead, I laugh and roll my eyes and say, actually, your career is dead because <laughs> the fact of the matter is you're going to get there sooner or later. So why are you wasting time not picking up the phone? I mean, think about it. Just think about it. So you're going to send emails, social media touches, maybe SMS. That's all great. You should absolutely do that. But what if you just picked up the phone? Just picked up the phone and called them. And, and, and okay, so they don't answer. Well, guess what? Half the time they don't answer your emails or your social media touches. We keep on doing that, don't you? But if they do answer, my goodness, th that's nirvana. That's what you wanted. So the phone is not dead. What we do know, we live in interesting times, John. And, and because of the times we live in, the phone, it's got a re-emergence. It's a resurgence because people are so desperate to talk to other people. In fact, the irony is this. People are so zoomed out that they would rather take a phone call from you than a Zoom meeting. No, the phone is not dead. It's a key part of your approach. The thing about being in sales is that you never know what channel your prospect is going to react to. Do they prefer email? Do they prefer social? Or do they prefer phone? Do a little bit of both, all three. Do SMS, all four right? But you got to do it until you figure out how they want to communicate with you. But I love it. And I, I was on a call the other day with Jeb Blunt. And when the question came up, what should my first step be in a sales cadence? And his response, unprompted from me, this is an audience question, was should be a phone call. And they were like, why? They were shocked. And he's like, well, isn't that what you're trying to do is get them on the phone? Why would you wait to step five and you can do it in step one? That's my answer. And that pretty much is backed up by the data. Yeah, the first sales manager I ever had was, John, just pick up the damn phone and call them. Yeah. 
the funny part is, well, I even see that just in my staff sometimes, right? Where I watch this back and forth exchange, whether it's on email or on Slack. And I, and I pick up the phone and I call them and I'm like, stop doing this. Pick up the stupid phone. You'll have resolution immediately and you'll understand where each other is coming from. Oh, for some people, it's scary. I think for other people, they're just conditioned to not use it and it doesn't cross their mind. Part of it's habit, part of it's fear. A lot of it is just not understanding how to use that channel to achieve your goals. Well, and not only that, there's a lot of people, maybe a third of the personality styles, who don't want to bother people by interrupting what they're doing with a phone call. Yeah. You've heard that, I'm sure. I get this a lot. And (laughs) I get this, even for my own team, I get this, but let alone when I have this conversation with others. And I'll say to them, okay, well, let me set aside, I guess, a mistaken understanding on your part. You call them. Fair enough. They answer the phone. Now you're scared because maybe you're interrupting them and it's going to not go so well. Let me enlighten you and how people think. You see, when we look at the phone, we have this thing called call display. And I don't know who that person is on that call display. I don't know your number. I don't know your name. I don't know you from Adam. Sorry, I don't know you. But I picked up the phone. When I pick up that phone, that means I'm going to, in my mind, I already know you're a stranger or you're trying to sell me something. These are the only two options. And they could both go together. You could be a stranger trying to sell me something. Either way, I picked up the phone knowing that. You didn't interrupt me. I allowed myself to be interrupted. If I didn't want to be interrupted, I would have put my phone on do not disturb. I would have ignored the phone call. So you've done nothing. So get over that. And you can see people look at me like it had never crossed their mind that that was the case. And I'm like, yeah, you just, yeah. It's an excuse. You're not interrupting anybody. If they don't want to talk to you, they won't answer. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great insight. If it doesn't come up on your display, then it either means you know it's a salesperson or you know it's a stranger or, as, as you said, it could, it could be both. Yep. And so if they pick up the phone, they actually are wanting to talk. You're not interrupting them. Or they wouldn't have picked up the damn phone. <laughs> you nailed it. Right? I like that. There's a lot of talk also, you hear salespeople ask this question, they didn't answer. Should I not leave a voicemail or should I leave a voicemail? So what are the trade-offs there? So the answer is yes. That's the first part. I'll go go into more detail. Sometimes you absolutely should leave a voicemail. So for example, let's say you have just emailed them. Now you may want to call them right away and say, hey, I just sent you an email. It's Daryl Procon. So I'm not, now I'm leaving a voicemail. Check your inbox because when you open that email, you'll see that I've included this piece of content. This matters to you because of this reason. That's personal. It gives them context. Either way, I've now introduced them to me. They can get a hint of my personality. They go looking for the email. That's all good. You want to leave the voicemail. Now, the chances are they may or they may not listen to that voicemail. They'll probably ignore the email they'll probably ignore the voicemail. They probably saw you call in and ignored the call in the first place that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. And they got the voicemail and they still ignored it. That's fine. The next time you call them, you're going to ghost them. Meaning you're calling, but you're not leaving a voicemail. But again, they'll see that number again. That number is trying to get a hold of me. And that's the whole point. You're just leaving a little breadcrumb that says, I'm still here. And now when you ping them on social media, you can say, well, you know, I've sent you an email and I did leave you a voicemail, but I really want to make sure you get this piece of content because your competition loved it. And in fact, they took this and did wonderful things with it. If you want to know how they did it, 
just respond to my call or give me an email or respond to me here. The point is you're going to leave voicemails sometimes and you're going to ghost them sometimes. Now, one of the things that's really interesting is when I tell people this, quite often I'll get the old, Daryl, nobody checks voicemails anymore. And that's a waste of time. And I'm like, well, they ignored your email. So was that a waste of time? Because you're still doing it. And they ignored your initial social media touch, but you're still doing it. So your logic is flawed. But fair enough. Let's <laughs> continue on with your point. You're saying voicemails are dead. Okay. So have you ever gone on LinkedIn after you've connected with somebody and maybe they've gone quiet on you? Uh, and then you sent them a personal audio message. And they'll say, oh, yeah, that works so well. It's amazing the response I get on that. And I'm like, really? And they say, yeah. And it's true. You do. But then you see their mind just go in contortions when I say, well, you realize you just left them a voicemail only instead of using a phone, you use LinkedIn. Because that's not a real-time dialogue. You send a message. It was recorded. It was delivered to them. They listen to it offline. And they're like, oh. So, yes, voicemails work. But you can use them you don't have to leave a voicemail every time. In fact, I would advise you not to leave a voicemail every time. Because after a while, if you're all you're doing is leaving voicemails, that just gets like stocky. Today's lesson, don't be a stalker. There you go. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Don't be a stalker. Actually, you know, the beginning of social media, especially LinkedIn, people used to think people were, were stalking them. Yeah. And, but we've, we've all kind of gotten, you know, we've gotten over that. Well, it's funny, right? Because how times have changed. It used to be, <laughs> beginning of social media, beginning of marketing automation systems, right? Someone would fill out a form on a website, you know, and one minute later that phone call is ringing and you're like, did you just call me? Because I just downloaded that form. Oh, that's creepy. Don't ever do that again. I'm hanging up on you. And, and we didn't like that. Now, when we do that, it's a couple of different reactions. One, we expect it. We know the minute I hit submit on this form, I'm going to get a phone call. So we already know what the price of admission is, and yet we do it. And then second, if they call too fast, we're still annoyed. But if they take too long or never call at all, then we judge them to say, well, I can't do business with this company because they don't have their own processes together. I would never trust them with my processes. It's an interesting little how our behavior has shifted. Now we do expect to get called. We do give implicit permission when we hit that submit button, and we do judge you if you call too fast or don't call fast enough. So we are fickle beings, John. That's what we are. No, not me. Yes, yes. <laughs> if not you, it's probably Paul. It's that Paul guy, the announcer. Uh, or the Dave guy, probably. The Dave guy. Don't even get me going on the Dave guy. <laughs> and both of you, it's time for a quick commercial break. Over 200 correlation studies show that natural aptitude is the most significant factor in predicting sales success. Asher's Advanced Personality Questionnaire, the APQ, consistently identifies peak performers in outside sales, inside sales, sales management, customer support, and 17 other business positions. Go to asherstrategies.com today or call 866-833-9941. That's Asher Strategies at 866 866- Eight three three nine nine four one. We've been speaking with Daryl Prail about the relevancy of the phone in today's sales process. Now back to the discussion. So, Daryl, there's a website out there called Crystal Nose, 
And if you go to Crystal Nose and put in the buyer's name and the buyer's company, so you know you're getting the right person, then it comes back, you know, using smart software, predictive analytics, AI techniques. If they've taken a assessment like DISC, that gets factored in. And then Crystal Nose tells you which of the four personality styles they are, how to write an email to them, and also how to leave a voicemail for them, and then also how to deal with them in person or on a Zoom call. How important is that to be able to tailor your message exactly to the prospect's personality style? You know, that's a brilliant question, Don, because there's two schools of thought on this. One, you could be a massive fan of DISC or any other personality tests. And I have colleagues and acquaintances who completely are, and they swear by it. And yet there are other studies out there that say, it's kind of a little bit like astrology, right? <laughs> you can make any horoscope sound like it. it's a perfect match for you. This is what we do now. Any ability you have to establish a rapport based on commonalities, based on behaviors that build trust with the recipient are a good thing. So Crystal Knows is fantastic because it gives you effectively a shortcut. With that said, most people will adapt to you if you're not wasting their time and you've got a valuable message that is personalized and relevant and contextual to them. So what's the net net out of this? If you don't waste their time and you actually have a message that resonates, so you really know your ideal customer profile, you really know the pain and the agony and, and the issues that your prospect you're targeting is dealing with. So it matters. Your message matters. Crystal knows probably won't help you much. That is going to help you. But if you're a generalist, if you're not taking the time to do the research, Crystal knows may get you past that initial hesitation, past that initial desire to say no and go away because you spoke to me in a way, you used words in a way, uh, your style was a way that I could connect with. You choose, right? Now, clearly a home run is use Crystal Nose with really knowing who it is you're calling into and really, really having your pitch down pat so that it matters to them. But Crystal Nose is cool. You know, it's one more tool out there. I've got a lot of people who use it and swear by it and, I, and a lot of people who don't use it and don't swear by it. This is what I would suggest to you, A-B test. And I love A-B testing. So see if it helps you. Do it for a week with Crystal Nose and do it for a week without Crystal Nose. You'll know very quickly if it helps you or not. Yeah, I've found all the things we've been teaching salespeople and what I do myself actually, is if you do really brilliant research on them with Sales Navigator, yeah. go to the internet and research their company, figure out their personality style so you can match a myriad as you need to and, and, and adapt the initial message that you send. If you're using all three of those, usually you're getting a higher percentage than if you don't use any of them for sure. Yeah. You think about it. What's one of the first things we learn when we're selling? We're, we, we're learned to mirror Right now, that, that implies there's a live conversation going on. So I know how to mirror. And I've even taught this to my own team and my kids. We're on this call literally the other week. And my sales rep was saying that we lost this deal. And, and I said, why did we lose it? And he goes, well, you know, this guy, he was a Joey. He was Joey from Jersey. And he just knew everything. And I'm, I'm laughing at him with his impression. And he goes, you know, so he's asking me these questions and I'm trying to explain it to him. And I said, dude, you're explaining it to him? And he's like, yeah. I said, he's in control. 
what are you doing? You should have pushed back hard to Joey because that's what Joey respects and challenge him. Why do you think that, Joey? And all of a sudden you can see him stop. I see your mirror, right? Joey would have respected you more because you didn't mirror him. You lost Joey. Joey thought Joey was right. You were trying to explain it. You were just You were just validating Joey's belief. That's how you lost the deal. It was a great conversation to have. But yeah, mirroring. Crystal knows is another way of mirroring. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you've heard this, that prospecting and cold calling and just a numbers game. I hate to admit this, but I have a major in math. <laughs> uh, what's, what's the math behind this process for good phone calls? Oh, my. If it makes you feel any better, I have a degree in computer science. I'm a, I was Ooh, a programmer okay. for like six years. So there we go. Here I am now doing this. What's the math of a good phone call for sales? There's lots of different rules out there. So I'm going to tell you what I've heard espoused by the experts. And I've heard many people validate these claims. And like anything else, there's always somebody else who will say, well, that's BS. But the general theory is, you know, an FBI profiler will say you have seven to 12 seconds to actually make a first impression. And they're already decided within that time frame if they're going to keep on talking to you or not, or if they trust you or not. The general consensus is you have 27 to 30 seconds to actually get your pitch out there and seek permission to continue your dialogue afterwards. So it's a back and forth on, on the play of who has control. That's the next thing you need to know. When it comes to just the phone, the phone is part of a cadence if you're doing it right. The problem is most sales reps only do two to three attempts and they give up. But the current math says you need to do 9.2 to over 12 attempts, depending on your industry, before you finally get them on the phone and actually have a live conversation. There's lots of math here. Those are all easy places to fix because you can measure the math. But the best part is, is that your industry and your prospect and what you're selling is unique to you versus what I sell. So if you're not sure what works, take these math examples. And again, I go back to test it. So I'll have many, many people say to me, yeah, the whole 30 second rule is BS. There are, you know, two to three attempts, you know, I can get them in six. Okay, fine. All right. Test it. You figure out the math for you because if you spend a month or two or three right now figuring it all out, the rest of your year is gravy and you just dramatically increase your chances of converting more deals and hitting President's Club. Why would you not do that? So that's the math how I know it. What's, how's the math how you know it, John? What did I miss? I do know that it is a numbers game in many respects. And that is if you know what your conversion rates are, Right. So various uh, steps in the sales process, then you can just work backwards and know you better make 25 cold calls a day. You're never going to beat your quota. You know, so you can easily work backwards. But let me ask you about one of your numbers, and that is uh, 9.2 to 12 touches. Is that total touches or attempts to call them? That's total attempts to engage with the prospect to have that first live conversation. So now you can actually start doing a sales qualification process. That's the problem is that most people give up after two or three tries. Yeah. And, and, th and that's when you start getting sales saying, well, the leads suck. Well, then maybe the leads suck. That's possible. But the chances are you just didn't try enough times, you know, and that's changed a lot. 10 years ago, that might've been six to nine times where now it's nine to 12, right? So you got to work harder these days to get a hold of these people. So again, is it nine to 12 calls or nine to 12 combination of? Combination. Phone, okay, email, phone. social. Exactly. I got you. Set right. Total touches. Total touches. Because again, you don't know how they're going to react. That's the big thing, right? So you want to touch them everywhere. Uh, and I would not go publicly say, touch that person's everywhere. Just, you know, don't quote me on that exact phrase. <laughs> you want to touch them a lot. This is not going well, John. We got to change topics. 
Okay, so Dave, you got this recorded, right? We, we got everything we need to know about Daryl now. It's on the record. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask one more question about that. Is it not just 12? Is it 9 to 12 based on sales cycle times? Is that why it varies? No, no, it's not, actually. That's a great question. Here's the gist. The whole concept of cadence comes down to basically the attention span of the prospect. So the premise is the prospect has done something that has prompted the sales rep to say, hey, there's, there's an opportunity here. Maybe they were on your website. Maybe they filled out a form or not. They were just, you know, browsing around. Maybe they're on a review site, G2, and you got a signal that, hey, you know, somebody's checking out you and your competition. Whatever. There's an intent signal. There's some kind of signal that says, you, you know, this person is worthy of a call. So this is really talking about inbound emails where you're, you're responding. What you have to do is you have to respond quickly. So statistically, if you wait more than an hour to call a hot lead, the chances of success drops like a rock. And if you wait more than 24 hours, actually more than eight hours, it's almost like why bother? That's the first part because we have a short attention span. The next part is we reps used to do, I'm going to call now and then I'll call in like three or four days from now. And then I'll call next week and then I'll call two weeks and then I'll call a month out because I don't want to stock them. Well, now in fact, it's, it's actually dramatically compressed. So now you'll see things like seven touches in seven days or 12 touches in 18 days or 18 touches in 30, 35 days. The whole point is it's that constant in your face, multi-channel, different messages, different value props, different call to actions, trying to basically wear them down. Otherwise they'll forget. So if you wait two weeks and then call, they have no idea who you are. They have no idea what they've done. They've moved on. So it's all about staying top of mind. Hey, I can't remember what happened last week. <laughs> I am the same way. Uh, that's funny. John, excuse me. It's time for the wrap up. No, your watch must be off, Dave. It can't be that, that soon already. It goes fast when we're having fun. <laughs> so Daryl, it's been great talking to you. Love all your data. So as you know, the people listening are typically CEOs, sales managers, and salespeople. The great thing about podcasts is you can listen to them while you're in the car, walking the dog, walking out with your spouse. Well, maybe not with your spouse, but at least the dog. And so people aren't writing things down. So what would be three things you would really like to end this podcast with that you think would be most impactful for salespeople if they were going to start to change their behavior for the better? And then once you've done that, just let everybody know how they can contact you. Sure. The phone is an essential part of your cadence, all right? Not just email, which is what you do now on social media. The phone is critical. Again, for a simple 30-second exercise, why would you deny a dramatic increase in your chance to get in front of that prospect? Because ultimately, you want a live phone call. That's why you do all this work. That's why you're spending all this money and content. Use the phone. Make sure your reps are using the phone. Design sales cadences that include the phone and make the phone the first touch in that sales cadence so that you're getting multi-touch outreach so you can get a hold of them and qualify them, all right? Because again, you're pushing to that phone. So phone is important. Phone should be part of the cadence. And then make sure your messaging on that phone is not generic. It is hyper, hyper personalized based on your ideal customer profile and the individual target or the persona you're talking to. For a C-level, it's different from a director, it's different from a manager, it's different from a user. You get the idea. The language changes, the, the benefits change, the content change, the relevance change. So make sure you've got hyper-personalized messaging. If you don't do that, you're going to fail. If you do that, you're going to succeed. My name is Daryl Prail. You can reach me on LinkedIn. You can reach me on Twitter. You can go to Google, type in Prail, P-R-A-I-L-L, and 99% of the links will come back to me. Don't be shy, but love to connect. All right. Great to talk to you, Daryl, and thank you so much for all these great ideas. 
I had a blast. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. That's all the time we have for today. For our listeners, be sure to join us again next week at the same time. From now until then, John Asher reminds us to please, please get out there and sell something. Paul, take it away. You've been listening to another episode of Asher Sales Sense right here on Asher Strategies Radio. To learn more about how John Asher and his training and coaching team of former business leaders can help you close deals faster, simply visit asherstrategies.com.